Welcome to the RSA Events Podcast, the home of world-changing ideas and debate. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Gillian Linton. I'm the Programme Manager of the Student Design Awards here at the RSA, and I'd like to welcome you all to today's online event. I'm really pleased to have the chance to talk today to Octavia Gorodima. Octavia is an award-winning career coach and founder of 2010 Agency, which works to provide support for people of colour in their careers. She's also a fellow of the RSA, where she leads the Gender Equity Network in the US. And she's the author of a new book, Prep, Push, Pivot, Essential Career Strategies for Underrepresented Women, which we'll be discussing today. Um, if those of you watching along would like to join the conversation about the event on Twitter, you're more than welcome to do so using the hashtag RSA success or here in our YouTube chat as well. Um, Octavia, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to hearing kind of more about your work and being able to dig into the book further. Um, I would just like to start off by saying, um, having read the book, it is an incredibly practical resource for someone who is looking to make a change in their working life, who wants tips on how to advocate better for themselves in the workplace. There's exercises if you're kind of eager to recalibrate. And so I'm just yeah, excited to be able to talk through some of those issues that you raised throughout, throughout the work. Oh, thank you so much, Gillian. I'm thrilled to be here. Glad to have you. Um, I think really something that feels important to kind of to start off with is just the fact that you do spend uh, quite a bit of time in the book kind of illustrating the fact that there are these barriers to progression, yes. um, inclusion, equity in the workplace that can mean the process of kind of getting to where you want to be can be painful for some yes. underrepresented women. But it's not even just the case of kind of getting there, but actually on arrival, there's that second piece of um, really being kind of maybe the first or the only person of your background in that room or holding that position. And I think in light of the fact that, you know, in 2020, there was this watershed moment where companies were kind of finally acknowledging some of these inequalities around kind of race and um, different kind of, um, kind of levels in which people are interacting with the workplace and feeling kind of um, unable to participate or, or not included in that space. I was wondering if you feel like there are signs that workplace environments have shifted kind of two years on and if there are better places for kind of underrepresented women to be or if maybe two years on that that difference hasn't been as massive as we'd hoped. You know Gillian it's so hard I as you said I, I'm a career coach and I I actually wrote this book during the pandemic while we were going through all of those things that you just outlined and I was simultaneously coaching professionals through this time. Um, it has been the most tumultuous period for so many of us and as a coach, I've had so many insights into how the experiences for so many of us vary to such a great degree, to such a great degree. I think overall, there's been some progress, but it's slow progress such slow progress. I decided to write this book before the pandemic, but I feel it's become even more pronounced by what we're experiencing day in, day out now. We are still adjusting. We're still understanding. The way that so many of us work has changed fundamentally. There's no timeline for this. There are so many societal issues that have come to the fore during this time as well. And as you reference, it's not just about the opportunity gaps that women of color face. We are the most underrepresented group in the corporate pipeline. We are hired at lower rates. We are paid at lower rates. We are retained at lower rates. We're promoted at lower rates. But then once 
we perhaps do have opportunities, as you reference, what comes next? You know, I, I open my book, Prep, Push, Pivot, with a chapter called Know Your Worth. And in it, I share a statement that I heard Vice President Kamala Harris share. And she talks about breaking barriers. And she says, I'm paraphrasing here, um, but she says, you don't just push through this barrier and come out the other side. Breaking something hurts, even if you don't see, if someone else doesn't see that. It takes a lot to make that transition. And then what might be on the other side might be just as hard <laughs> as what you've had to break through. And building our careers is the most personal and the most valuable, but also the most isolating investment anyone can ever make. No one, no one else is going to know how your career feels. They might see what it looks like. They might see the title that you have or the accomplishments that you're making. They might see how you show up in the workplace, but no one knows how it feels. And as a coach, I have a very unique an important role that I'm incredibly proud of where coaching provides a safe space for professionals who have, who are fortunate enough to be able to have the resources or the support of their employer to have coaching, but it provides a safe space to really be transparent about not just how things are, but the obstacles that you're facing and what you're building towards. And not many people have that space. And that's why I wrote this book because most people don't have the opportunity to whether it's work with a coach or perhaps or have a co-worker or an advocate or a mentor that they can have those conversations with so i wanted to create a resource that might help other women who are facing challenging times and and you definitely do that because i think some people also aren't necessarily aware, as you say, if they haven't had the resources through their company mm -hmm. or they haven't themselves been able to maybe uh, afford to have that um, yes. kind of one on one coaching experience. You might not actually necessarily know what it is exactly. you gain from doing that. And I think you do really lay out throughout the book kind of questions you can be asking yourself as you kind of begin that work, um, thinking about where next you want to go. And I think you make a really interesting point about it being quite a personal experience of deciding yes. what it is you want to do in, in your work. And I. I think something that's come up a lot in this period as people are reevaluating what work means to them yes. is this kind of understanding of, of how important that career is in your life and how do you balance that alongside other responsibilities and things you have going on. And I think some people have found it can be quite difficult to actually separate yourself from your career and think about it as, as not just like who you are as a person, but maybe something that you do. And I think a lot of people want that advice. And I wonder um, what maybe what advice you would give around how to continue to pursue work that, as you say, feels meaningful, feels fulfilling, yes. feels aligned without maybe allowing it to completely overtake your identity and who you are as a person? You know, it's, it's a great question and there's no right or wrong because how we feel about our careers can vary. How we feel is it, so personal to us and also it can depend on what stage you're at in terms of whether we're breaking through or building or growing um, or striving or comfortable, right? Because 
careers aren't this um, trajectory that you might think they are <laughs> when you're perhaps embarking on a path. It's careers are messy, Gillian. <laughs> They're super, super messy. You know, there's ups and downs. Sometimes you feel like you're moving backwards. Sometimes you feel like you're standing still. Sometimes you're happy to be still for a minute. <laughs> Sometimes you're striving for that next piece. But to the point that you're making that, that I firmly believe that success and identity is for you as an individual to define. And as a coach, I always meet professionals where they are in terms of what their personal goals are and what work means to them. Um, what it means to me has changed in this pandemic um, and what it means to so many of us has shifted during this time. I think though it's really important though that what you say about identity, if you're an underrepresented professional, no matter what you do and what stage of career you are in your career, there's a story that many people might not know about what it's taken for you to get where you are, even if you're not finished yet. And when you've had to work really hard or do things that maybe people in your circle or you haven't done before, your work is going to be incredibly important to you. If you're one of the few at your place of work, there's even more significance. You're also a role model to others. You know, there have been so many times in my professional career before I became a coach where I was the only black woman in a meeting or on a team or in the building, you know, at times. And even if I wasn't the most senior person in that meeting <laughs> or you know, in the building, I was also aware that I was a role model to others, <laughs> even on that journey. So I think identity is a, a multifaceted thing when you ask that question. Um, and there can be a lot of weight to that, um, which can be an advantage, but also can, can be difficult sometimes. I really wanted to follow off the back of what you just shared to just really uh, emphasize that kind of question around um, attention really between the way we show up in the workplace um, being kind of the maybe wanting to kind of be our, our whole selves and feel really comfortable in how we behave in the workplace we're really kind of balancing that off by the fact that we do have to remain really professional um, in, and the standards also of professionalism aren't necessarily aligned with who we are as people and so how do we understand those two things and what does that actually how do we walk that line and how do you help people kind of navigate being comfortable in themselves while also understanding that if they are too much themselves potentially that could have negative consequences on their careers depending on the office culture they're operating in? Yeah, I think it's such an important question, Gillian. And as a coach, I always advocate that you show up as your most authentic self. But I also recognize that everyone's workplace culture, team, dynamics, environment can vary substantially and can change substantially. But here's the thing, in my book, I talk about cementing your career values. And these are, these are components about how you do your work, 
what you do at work, the environments that you thrive in, what you need to thrive, that are unique to you. And I think it's really important for us to consider those things. We may not have all of those things at once, <laughs> but it's really important to really sit with what you need, the environments you need to be in, how you want to work, what matters most to you, what your non-negotiables are at work. That part is really key because to answer your question about how do you know when to perhaps behave differently or ask for something more or how you respond to circumstances, you have to really be true to your career values. And there may be areas where things are not going the way we want them to. And sometimes we have to stop and think, is this a short term issue that will change? Or is this a longer term issue that I need to address so that I'm moving in the direction that I want to move in? It's not always easy, especially when we're building our careers. But I think cementing our career values so important. Sometimes I'm helping um, professionals who are looking for that next opportunity. It could be where they work right now. It could be somewhere else. And they're maybe looking at the title, they're looking at the company or the organization, or of course, what the salary could be. But I always remind those individuals to think about what matters most to them in addition to all of those things. And where possible, using the interview process or what we know about the culture of where we are, if we're looking for a new role, where we work, to see how closely that aligns. Because no one else is going to be as invested in your career as you, nobody. And that's the bottom line. And I think that that's actually quite a good, good maybe question to, do you think there are ways? Because as you say, I mean, you can from the interview process probably try and figure out a little bit more of what the culture of that location might be. But um, do you have other ideas of how you can try and really kind of suss that out? Because of course, they are also putting their best foot forward. In that oh, hopefully, hopefully they're putting <laughs> their, their best foot forward. Do you know, interviewing is so hard, um, especially for people who perhaps doing interviews via, you know, video conference right now, and maybe not even stepping directly into the environment um, where they might become employed. It's really hard because maybe at best you have one, two, maybe three opportunities to get a sense of what the culture or environment might be. And also you're under pressure because you're potentially competing with others for something you might really want. And the timeline that you have to make a decision might not be very long either. <laughs> so there's a lot to consider. I always say, trust your gut. Um, consider how you feel during the interview process. Consider what the opportunity represents to you. Consider how it aligns with those, based on what you know, um, with your career values. Um, and also be aware that things can change so quickly. You can start a role and all of a sudden there's a reorganization or the person who hired you maybe transfers to work on another project or maybe the remit and scope of what your organization does shifts. Things can change so quickly. So also be aware that if you are anchored in knowing what's important to you, 
what you're building towards, what matters to you. You can, you can face whatever comes at you. You can definitely do that. But I think definitely having your, your eyes wide open during the process is really important. And sometimes some employers forget that it is a, a two-way process, that interview process. It's, it's an opportunity for the candidate to really get to know you and your organization. Um, and that's really, really, really important to do, really important to do. But it's hard because we often don't have a lot of time and space to do that. We may not know people that work at that company or organization. Um, so it can be really difficult, but trust your instincts and know what matters most to you. And if you're comparing opportunities, really do that assessment, not just based on um, title and salary, but on those key, key things that are unique to you that matter the most. That's, that's really kind of brought to mind the fact for me that maybe having said that point that, you know, at, at the end of the day, there's all these things that you can do. I do wonder if maybe yes. if we zoom out here a little bit and think of, of, of that system question, because um, I think you've, you've brought it up in a couple of different responses that actually we are kind of living through this pandemic that has really brought to fore um, that there's kind of a massive work workplace change happening. And I think in some cases, we're moving towards hybrid working and, and, and people are reorganizing their workforces and thinking about how we can work differently. And I think at the RSA, I mean, there's been quite a bit of work done by our future work team thinking about what is the future of the workplace and, and how can, can we make hybrid working, for example, better? And I think even we have um, our student design competition that has actually put that challenge out to the students to say, yes. well, well, how can we make sure that hybrid working and different working arrangements are actually working for the majority of people? Because not to make it be too binary, but we know there have been winners and losers in this pandemic. And actually, we know for a fact that the majority of the losers in many cases have been women and have been yes. women um, of colour in many instances as well, who have left the workplace or have changed roles or have, have realised this, this isn't working, you know, kind of shifting their caring responsibilities and things like that as well in some cases. And so yes. I guess zooming out for a second on that kind of bigger systems picture in kind of light of the great resignation and all of these ways that we're describing this moment. Um, what are your kind of reflections on how how these women are experiencing and conceiving of work, but also maybe where we're headed in the future? Yes, I think so much is shifting and we are under the most collectively pressure that we've we've ever been. And maybe in a generation and we'll look back and be like, how did we come through this? Um, but yet in real time, here we are, you know, showing up being present, trying to do our best work, juggling so many things. I think so many of us are suddenly feeling overwhelmed at different moments in time. Perhaps not the moment where we thought we would, <laughs> where we've powered through. Sometimes it's the after, the after, where it's like, oh my goodness, we have to do a couple of things. We have to focus on what we can control because there's so much that we can't. Focus on what we need, what our priorities are, what we need to be successful. Focus on taking the best possible care of ourselves. And that might mean doing less. That might mean honoring the end of your workday, whenever that is, and making that mark. That might mean using your vacation time if you haven't done so. We also need support. We need support more than ever before. And I think it's a time for us to really reflect on 
what our support systems look like, whether that's co-workers, friends, family, you know, industry peers, resources, whatever, what our support networks, where the gaps might be, and trying to make sure that we, we, we identify what we need because, you know, health and well-being is paramount. And while we're so focused, yes, of course, and rightly so, on the daily shifting changes with the pandemic, our well-being at work, while we're navigating all those things, is more important than ever before. And the hardest part, I do a lot of work with individuals and I also do work with corporations. And, you know, the chief human resources officers are telling me, we don't have all the answers either. It's so hard because things are shifting so quickly and so many leaders are having to deal with challenges and circumstances we've never faced before and that trickles down to every single one of us. We're all facing circumstances we've never addressed before. So taking the best care of ourselves and staying anchored in what we need, knowing that might be different today to how it might be in three months time or six months time, I think is really, really important. And also knowing when to ask for what you need. Some of us are comfortable doing that. Some of us, it's harder to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think that's a really good point, but I wonder if we're doing that asking, I guess, what yes. would you say are the priorities on the part of the employers at this point to actually help to attract, you know, women of color, retain them, support them throughout this kind of period of massive change? Like, are there certain responsibilities that you think just our, our baseline should be expected or, or we should know we need to be asking for because they should be kind of part of the package? Yes, I think if you are leading a team, leading with empathy matters more than ever before, holding space for conversations and listening, um, not making assumptions as well, that can be very difficult. And also giving permission to fail sometimes. You know, that can be a really difficult thing to do. <laughs> um, really difficult thing to do. But we're all figuring out so much. So there's going to be things that don't go the way that they should. There's going to be hard conversations. There's going to be missed communications. Um, it's very, very difficult. And what has actually amazed me during this pandemic is how so many people apologize for not showing up perhaps exactly on time for things or miss <laughs> it. And I'm like, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed that we've managed and also incredibly proud at how resilient we are at keeping things moving. But there, there comes points sometimes where we can't. And I think understanding that if there's a need that you have, it's important to ask. It's incredibly important to ask. And using our voice when we need to the most matters. It matters, period, but it matters now more than ever before. Um, that description of uh, how tired we all are um, yes. at this point in the pandemic really resonates. And I think um, something that came up in the book was kind of you discussing 
the fact that there's a kind of power in numbers and being able to talk yes. to people about how you're feeling and sharing those experiencing can, can actually be quite almost like filling up at the well a little bit yes. and, and refreshing yourself. But I do wonder, particularly in cases where someone is a minority, they feel like they're a bit a single island um, in their workplace or in their community. Um, what advice do you have for those people who maybe don't feel that they have those opportunities for solidarity and advice sharing in their workplace? Yes, and, and, and that's a common ask that I hear. Not all individuals have access to employee resource groups or in-house networks where they work, um, either because their employer isn't large enough or doesn't have the resources to provide them, or perhaps everyone's just displaced and those things aren't operating the way that perhaps they have done before. I think it's important to, if you feel you're lacking support, look a little broader than perhaps where you're working into, does your industry have professional associations or even informal groups that you could join or attend an event or um, tap into? Events such as these, <laughs> even if you're not having a one-on-one -on -one dialogue, you might hear something that inspires you, or perhaps helps you think of something from another perspective that you might not have had before. If you don't have a mentor, and mentors aren't easy, always easy to find, but this is a time to maybe think about the type of support you might need and maybe making people aware of what you're looking for. I've done that. And when I've told people what I was looking for, that you were able to make recommendations of connections or resources or suggestions I wouldn't have known about otherwise. And when I was sharing what I was looking for, I didn't necessarily think the person I was telling might have the answer, but in sharing, it opened a path to something that was incredibly helpful to me. So I think using our voice is so important and not thinking you will be completely alone. <laughs> it might be in this moment, but if you can perhaps take some steps to research or explore or connect or ask, you might find a resource or a suggestion that can really help you in that moment. I think, I think there is definitely something about finding something when you're not looking for it. And I think yes. that really be true is, Sometimes the person you you have in mind is actually not the person that maybe you need to speak to in that moment. And I think um, that's a really great point of kind of the more you put that out into the world, the chances of you kind of hitting the right person um, is, is much higher. Um, I did want to kind of pick back up a, a bit of a thread that you mentioned a bit earlier on about actually yourself writing this book while kind of juggling, continuing to coach people and childcare. And I did wonder kind of as someone who has caring responsibilities and had to kind of balance that alongside professional work, um, are there certain changes you think need to happen systemically to make that balance easier? Um, and Or things that would have made that easier for yourself kind of looking back at the last year or year and a half? Yes. Um, working parenthood, or being a caregiver for someone else has always been a challenge for so many of us. Um, and maybe hopefully one, let's hope 
silver lining out of these past two years is perhaps a greater awareness and understanding of what the ramifications can be if working parents don't have the support that they need. You know, I'm a, I'm a mother of two children. Um, our schools were closed for nine months, I think, for a period. But of course, we didn't know it was going to be nine months, thank goodness. <laughs> we did not know. It was just, you know, day to day, taking it as it comes. All of us have a story, whether it's of our own circumstance or someone close to us, of people who are facing unparalleled challenges and circumstances whilst trying to hold it together at work. More often than not, it's an impossible situation. But whether that's pre-pandemic or during pandemic, it's the hardest of things to juggle. And I have the benefit of some hindsight, um, having been a parent now for 12 years, <laughs> in terms of learning literally <laughs> as I go, and also as a coach supporting other, other working parents. We are not superheroes. And often when you're a caregiver, your first priority is of course, the person you are responsible for. And then of course your professional responsibilities too. Um, that's a given. But we also have to make sure we take the best possible care of ourselves and set ourselves up for success. Um, communicating what we need, as I, as I just referenced, is so important. Also managing our own expectations too. Whether it's in the what we have to do that day or what our priorities are for that week or that month or even for this period is, I think, pivotal. Pivotal. I dropped a lot of balls while I was writing my book. <laughs> a lot. I had to learn to say no to things, um, which for me personally wasn't something I was used to doing. And I have to say also as a black woman, sometimes there's a fear that if I say no, will I get asked to do something again? Will the assumption be that I don't want to do something? Am I gonna miss an opportunity that could be really good for me if I don't do this? It can be really, really difficult. But I had to personally get really clear on what my priorities were and what my non-negotiables had to be to meet those priorities. Um, and my hope is that employers will continue to do their best for caregivers to give the support that's needed, not just during the pandemic, but beyond. Because as you referenced, Julian, we are losing women, scores and scores and scores of women from the workforce. Before the pandemic, you know, the, the World Economic Forum had projected it would take a century for women to close the gender pay gap. What's going to happen if we continue to lose more and more women from the workforce? It, it, it's, it's, um, it's frightening. But then also the, the personal decisions that we have to make about what we can and can't do are so difficult, are so difficult. So I think in that moment, we have to learn sometimes how to be our own best advocates. That's not always easy, but we have to um, because it's, um, it can be a very difficult position to be in when you're trying to juggle those multiple responsibilities. 
And I think, I, I guess that what that brings to mind for me is if someone is listening to this talk today and they're actually in a position of kind of relative power in their workplace, are there certain kind of almost policies, groups? Is it a case of advocating for a union or a, a group of staff that are kind of working around a diversity kind of policy? Are there certain things that almost are, are pretty good asks to try and get going yes. in your workplace to, to get certain things changed? Yeah, I think a lot of employers are striving to listen and adjust and evolve. It's been such an important and poignant time for so many of us. Um, so many people are facing so many challenges and these things are changing day by day as we're changing how we work and we're shifting from hybrid to in-person and how we work and what we do. I think as individuals, um, we're so beholden, of course, to the decisions of others. It can be hard to know how we can impact change ourselves. And that's where I wrote this book, because when you're trying to walk that line, you feel alone. When you are like, I, I have to, I have to log off at 5 p.m. because I've got to take care of this responsibility. It can be a very, you, 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 you could be thinking about necessarily, well, what's the policy here? You've got to do this. You've got to try and figure this out. You know, um, one of my friends was telling me about how she's juggling her meetings, you know, around, you know, school schedules and, you know, take, being on Zoom in, you know, <laughs> not the most professional of settings as a result, because she still wants to show up and, and navigate all of those things. And so I think we, it's really important for us to recognize that we are doing the best that we possibly can. And that perfection may not be <laughs> there for us in this moment, but doing the best that we possibly can. And um, if, if you're doing the best that you possibly can, then give yourself some grace in that time. I think, I think that is something that every, everyone should take away at this point in the pandemic, because I think yes. we're all deserving of some grace um, as yes. we try and kind of work through um, um, something that has been going on much longer than any of us had hoped. Um, yes. I think this kind of, makes me think um, if someone is in their, in their kind of work environment at the moment, feeling really demotivated, as I said, really tired yes. at this point, they, they know they want to make that shift. Um, it can be quite difficult to kind of take that leap, especially if it's potentially a pivot into a different space. But um, as we know that there, there is kind of this widespread movement at the moment of people kind of quitting and, and deciding that actually they want a different career, they want a different kind of work, life balance um what advice do you have for people who are considering making that switch but finding it really hard to find the energy to actually make that movement um yes. is there something they can do in the meantime until they have the energy to make the shift yeah i think um knowing that if you're not happy where you are now that that is not going to define you forever and you might not know the exact moment where that pivot will be made but if you start, even just the awareness is the most powerful place to start. And then knowing that every step you take, whether it's, you know, sequential, whether you have to pause <laughs> for a while, are all steps in the right direction. And I think finding your inner confidence and commitment, even if you feel like you're not shifting as swiftly, or as immediately as you want to, 
is still important because people see the before and they see the after, but no one sees the middle. <laughs> no one sees the what it takes to perhaps make the decision and then start exploring and then figuring out the pieces. And often I feel like if you're making a pivot, large or small, it's a bit like when you're trying to put a jigsaw puzzle together, but you might not have that, that the, the, the peak, you know, the big picture where you can see how everything's supposed to go. You're actually doing it kind of blindly, trying to, what fits? What goes here? Okay, that didn't fit, take that away. Okay, start over, maybe put that piece over. It takes a while sometimes. Um, and I think knowing that it's not a marathon, that it's not a sprint, it might be a marathon and having the inner, building that inner confidence in your decision to explore without necessarily knowing that final outcome and when that will be is the most important thing that you can do. It's the most important thing that you can do and harnessing your energy for when you are ready to perhaps have conversations or work on applications or do research or take meetings or go to events or do more networking or whatever it is that you've decided is part of that process for you. Um, because it will come, it will come. You just might not see it from where you are in that moment. And I can say this with authority having pivoted myself. I can say it from having coached others through their own pivots, large and small, that it's only when you look back that you realize all of these building blocks mattered. Well, um, I'm afraid we're out of time, but thank you Octavia for speaking to me today, for sharing all these insights. And I guess if, if anyone listening to this um, was kind of on the fence and thinking, what am I doing? Then maybe that last piece is really what you needed to hear. It, it will happen. <laughs> you will yes. get there. Um, and, and I think really to bring back that earlier point you made, your career journey is not a simple trajectory and, and we don't know where you are in that journey, but you will get where you need to be. Um, and so to those of you watching, depending on where you are, if you actually want to dig into some of those activities, do those questionnaires, think about next steps, you can get a copy of Octavia's book, Prep, Push, Pivot. Either now or very soon, it will be out in March here in the UK, but it is available to pre-order now, and it's already out in the US, Canada, and Australia. Um, so please do also stay tuned to the RSA's channels for more information about our research work and other events like these ones. And you can hit subscribe here on YouTube and visit the RSA website to find out what we're up to and how you can get involved with the work of our global fellowship. Thank you so much, Octavia, and thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head to our YouTube channel for inspiring talks, interviews and animations.